Hey friends, I hope you're all staying as safe and healthy and comfortable as possible, and that you're taking care of all the people and plants and pets that are important to you. Do the men in the town or city where you live have a supermarket outfit? The men where I live do. This is something I noticed today while grocery shopping. And I should start this observational anecdote by first telling you, if you didn't already know, I live in New England. It's presently late March, there's still snow on the ground, and it's usually in the 30s or 40s temperature-wise about now. Now that's, that's Fahrenheit for anyone listening outside of the U.S. territories. First off, I rarely see any men who look like they may be in their 20s in the supermarket. When I do see them, they're usually with a few other dudes who look like they're also in their 20s, and uh, none of them will ever have a carriage or one of those little red baskets. They're usually, like, carrying stuff around in their hands. <laughs> now, if I see a guy who appears to be a solo 20-something, or perhaps two guys who may be a, a couple or roommates, uh, they will often be uh, sharing one of those little red baskets, meaning one of them is carrying the little red basket and they're both filling it. Now, now most of these 20-something-year-old fellas around this time of year in New England at supermarkets will be wearing athletic socks with slides on their feet, a, a tracksuit type pants or, or sweatpants, and a hooded sweatshirt pulled up completely over their heads. Now, this isn't every 20-something looking guy at the supermarkets of New England in late March, but there will usually be a couple of them, okay? Now, what I rare, really noticed today <laughs> at the supermarket were the outfits being worn by guys who appeared to be in their 30s and 40s. And I saw at least four or five guys at the supermarket dressed exactly like this today. Now, it, it's tough to say exactly how many guys I saw dressed like this because we were all circling around the aisles aimlessly like fish in an aquarium. Now, now these guys, 30 and 40-somethings, or guys who at least appear to be in their 30s or 40s in New England in supermarkets in late March, they will wear sneakers with blue jeans or dungarees, as they're called here in the Northeast, uh, a zipperless hoodie, you know, a hooded sweatshirt, you know, pullover hooded sweatshirt, uh, a baseball cap, and they'll have sunglasses perched on the brim of the cap. Now also, nine times out of ten, these 30 and 40-somethings will have some sort of facial hair configuration. Now, I, I'm a guy of my late 40s, okay? But I don't ascribe to the aforementioned style. This, this time of year, I'll wear sneakers or boots if it's just snowed. I'll, I'll wear blue jeans and a winter parka. Uh, you know, and, and uh, I'll wear a baseball cap, but no sunglasses perched on the brim for me. Anyway, um, I'll, I'll wear reading glasses on my face, however. No facial hair, although it's possible I, I've gone without shaving for a few days. Now, at this point, you may be asking, but Andy, how do men who appear to be in their late 50s end up dress at New England supermarkets in late March? Well, that's a great question, and I'm glad you asked. These fellas will sometimes wear sneakers and jeans, although they uh, sometimes wear slacks. They're usually in uh, winter parkas, but uh, they'll rarely have hats on. Now, if they do, it's usually a New England sports team emblazoned uh, knit winter cap or a New England sports team emblazoned baseball type cap, okay? So, so now you know. I was getting sick of everybody asking. Okay, uh, folks, you're listening to the People Are the Enemy podcast. I'm the host of the show. My name is Andy Mascola. There are no ads on this program, and there is no Patreon set up for it. The only thing I've ever asked of listeners is if you love the show and if you'd like to help support it and myself monetarily and get yourself or the reader in your life some quality fiction, 
please consider purchasing any or all of my books. I'm the author of 10 self-published novels that are all currently available worldwide in both paperback and ebook formats via Amazon. And if you don't use Amazon, you can find all 10 of my titles in ebook format at Google Play. Just search my last name, which is spelled M-A-S-C-O-L-A. That's how you'll find me on Google Play. If you've already purchased any or all of my books, thank you, thank you, thank you. I sincerely appreciate your generous patronage. And with all that out of the way, here's the quirky theme song. This is episode 272 of the People Are the Enemy podcast. Thank you so much for checking it out. You hear that sound? You hear it? It's creeping up on us. You know what that is? You ever see that THX symbol? Oh, you know you're getting THX quality sound right now. Let's hit it, Mother Scratchers. Oh my god! Give it to me, baby! What are we doing?! Oh my god. You're listening to the People Are the Enemy podcast. My name is Andy. Thank you so much for checking it out. We're gonna have fun. I'm gonna make you smile. I'm gonna make you cry. I'm gonna make you... Alright, we gotta get this out of here. I couldn't resist. Thank you, 100 Gex. Have you heard the new 100 Gex yet? Their new album is called 10,000 Gex. <laughs> Where do we go from here? We got the first 100 Gex album came out in 2019. It, it's fantastic. It's If you like that hyper pop, which you kind of just got a sample of there, a little taste, if you hadn't heard it. Uh, so it kind of mixes everything, like kind of chip tunes, some like obviously some like heavy metal riffs or hard rock riffs, uh, lots of tweaked vocals. You know, it's, it's excellent and it comes at you fast and it's basically like... Uh, like, uh, the, their creators took all these elements from popular culture and kind of fed it into this this uh, this machine that spit out these incredible songs. Anyway, first album, very good. 100 Gex album, first uh, full-length album, 2019, came out called 1000 Gex. So here we are in 2023, this past week, uh, this past Friday, their second full-length LP came out. What is it called? 100 Gex. First album, 1000 Gex. Second album, well, look, 10,000 Gex, obviously. <laughs> So, so what's next? I guess 100,000 Gex, I guess. How do I feel about it, you may be asking, or maybe you don't care? I'll tell you anyways. Uh, I listened to it once all the way through, and then I've listened to choice cuts here and there. I, I, I tend, and maybe it's because I know the first album so well, I kind of favor their first LP over this new one. But who knows, man? It may be a grower. You know, some albums are growers. Give them a little bit of time, you know? Think of all the albums that you frowned upon. Think of all the albums that we all frowned upon, like, initially, that came to be classics. You know what I mean? Bob Dylan's Blood on the Tracks. Again, I wasn't alive then, then or maybe I was just a baby. But uh, 
I'd heard that album was poo-pooed by critics and fans alike initially. I don't know how true that is. Again, I wasn't around, but obviously now it's considered one of his best. But, uh, oh, Pinkerton's a good example from an album in my lifetime that was kind of poo-pooed initially by critics and fans, and people kind of stayed away in droves, and then... And then Rivers Cuomo got deeply depressed and <laughs> took some time off and came back and kicked us all in the butt with that uh, Green album. At least I think so. Anyway, um, you get your uh, you, you get your tickets to uh, uh, The Cure? <laughs> look, come on, man. Like, it, look, like I, I, if you paid any attention at all to what's been going on with Ticketmaster and The Cure, then you know that uh, Robert Smith was uh, uh, tweeting... Uh, on behalf of his bands uh, via the band's Twitter account, ensuring people that everything was going to be okay with these uh, these the, the pre-sale of the tickets and whatnot. But they're dealing with Ticketmaster. I mean, come on. Do we learn nothing from the 90s? What the hell was all that about with Pearl Jam? You remember Pearl Jam was screaming about Ticketmaster? And ter- this, is the, this is at the time when Pearl Jam was on top of the world. You know what I mean? In terms of their popularity. And yeah, nothing's changed. Pearl, uh, like Pearl, Pearl, I almost said Pearl Jam are still creeps. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> I was going to say, Ticketmaster hasn't changed. They're still scumbags. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, what are you thinking? Like, there's, there's, there's other options out there. There's other, other, other means of getting uh, tickets out to the public. How did Ticketmaster get this deal to, to distribute the curious tickets is it that difficult is it that much demand and they're worried that worried about scalpers and Ticketmaster was so sure that they could avoid it you knew that they were going to be bastards hence their nickname ticket bastard you know and and of course they did exactly what what i what i or anybody else who, who lived through the 90s uh knows that they do and what they're known to do they 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 heaped a ton of fees onto these tickets for these fans so while these fans were thinking they were getting a great discounted ticket, they got they got they got feed over the cost of the ticket, like above and beyond the cost of the ticket. Come on, like like Robert Smith should know this. Robert Smith has been, I mean, been in a band that's been touring America. I mean, I understand the band started in the seventies. I think they toured like first, like played in America in the early early eighties. I'm pretty sure. But uh, yeah, man, you should know this, Robert Smith, and you've had huge concerts because you, you've been hugely popular for over thirty five years now. So, so come on, man. And, like, who's, who's acting like this is, like, all new news, that, that Ticketmaster sucks? Like, you, you should know this. Um, speaking about uh, things about the, p- things sucking and people being upset, this happened this morning. I was walking my dog, and uh, I walk the dog very early. It's still dark outside. And I'm usually the only one on the street. You know, I'm out there at 545. I'm out there before the sun comes up. And, uh... I'll walk the dog for an hour around my neighborhood, and uh, and I rarely, like, maybe I'll run into, like, maybe I'll see, like, one guy, or maybe one or two people. I'll see cars on the road, obviously, if I'm, when I'm walking down the road, but but I rarely run into anybody at this early hour, because it's, it's dark out, man. And this morning, I was walking, and I walked around the corner, and uh, immediately I see, on the other side of the street, a gentleman walking his dog. And, of course, my dog is interested because I'm walking her so early, she rarely gets to see other dogs. But don't feel bad. Don't feel bad for Lola. She's got a cousin who comes and visits regularly. I take her out on the weekends. I bring her to the dog park when it's warm. She's getting... She's very social. Okay, don't feel bad. 
But in the mornings, we rarely see anybody, okay? So I'm walking around the corner, and there's this guy, and he's walking his dog. And I had to write this down because I couldn't believe what he what he said to me. Like, And it was, you know, it was obvious he was annoyed, okay? And I've never seen this guy before, or his dog. And again, it's super early. I don't know why this man all of a sudden's out. Like, I'm, like, I am like clockwork. You can set a clock by me. I, I am walking the dog at the same time every day. I'm a creature of habit. It's what I do, okay? And the dog expects it, which is fine. So I walk around the corner, and I see this guy and his dog. And, of course, Lola's interested because she sees another dog, and that's what dogs do. And I've got her on a long enough leash that she's, like, she she can't reach the other dog, Okay. She's, she can get just beyond, like, the, the middle of the road, and it's 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 a two-lane road, okay? So, so of course, she's going over because she's interested, but I've got her, and, and she's tethered, you know? And um, and I said, uh, she's friendly, meaning Lola, and because the other guy's dog, you know, was curious about Lola, too, and, and I could see that she, the other dog was coming toward her. And the other guy, and the guy who's walking, the dog says, well, she's not, okay? Meaning his dog. <laughs> His dog's not friendly. And I just said, okay. I said, uh, I said, uh, then we'll, uh, we'll stay away. And I pulled Lola toward me and he said, yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's like, am I going to throw down with this guy in the middle of the street? Like, what would the dogs be doing if I always, <laughs> this guy, he's going to pick a fight with me? <laughs> like, <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. And then there was another dog situation that happened late this afternoon when I was coming back from taking my daughter to work. Uh, and I had complete uh, sympathy and empathy for this guy because I was pulling onto my street and at the corner house I saw this guy. He must have just gotten home from probably probably out doing food shopping or something and he was pulling into the driveway. And I say he was probably doing food shopping because he was wearing a... Uh... <laughs> no, kidding. He was wearing jeans and sneakers and a, and a hoodless... <laughs> no, a zipperless hoodie. <laughs> And he had his sunglasses perched on the uh, on the, the 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 brim of his cap. No, no, he didn't. But uh, no, I don't know where he got home from. Anyway, so he was just coming home, and the dog must have been excited and ran out the door without a leash on. And the dog is all of a sudden running away. And the guy is is getting out of his truck, and he's trying to get the dog. And I said, "Oh my god, I need to help this guy because I've been in this situation two years ago when we got Lola in January, and it was like." It was like 13 degrees outside at the time, maybe even less. Uh, Lola got out, and I, I chased her for a good 25, 30 minutes before a woman came outside and threw some uh, ham in the street and was able to get Lola to come over to her, and then we were able to get her back on the leash. Anyway, this guy had a similar situation happening where this he had just must have just gotten home from work. I see this happening. I'm pulling in onto my street. I'm watching him get out of his truck while the dog like runs out of the house and then all of a sudden is like running in front of my car. And of course I stop and I put on my hazards and I get out of the car and uh and the guy says he's got a very thick accent. I'm not going to uh to attempt to replicate it. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm not a racist. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> he's got a very thick accent, and uh, and he's he, and I, he called the dog Heshi. He says uh, he says he says uh, Heshi Heshi, come to me, come to me, and uh, and uh, I said uh, I'm afraid to go near your dog because I think he's going to run away. And he said, Yeah, if you get too close, he's gonna he's gonna jet. So then another woman is pulling onto my street also, and she stops her car, and then we make a plan. We're like, okay, maybe we can, like, block the dog together. <laughs> and and so she she pulls up a little bit ahead of me and then pulls over. And not only does she pull over, but she goes into her trunk and gets, like, a, a, a Tupperware dish 
full full of food, and she's like throwing it in the street, <laughs> trying to get trying to get Heshi and this poor guy. And his daughter comes out too, because I I bet I'm I'm sure his daughter felt like oh you know partly responsible for the dog getting out of the house. But here here we are. It's myself and my car is parked on the side of the street with the hazards on. This woman is parked and her trunk is open and she's got. She's got a Tupperware container of food that she's pulling out by hand and throwing on the street. I don't know what it is. It looked like some kind of like maybe maybe some kind of macaroni dish or something. But and and poor Heshi, I say poor Heshi. Heshi was thrilled. You know, he was walking here, there, and everywhere. But he didn't he that he was in love and his freedom. Didn't want to come anywhere near the people. So he's go he's going around doing his business. Anytime somebody comes close, he's like and he's super super like leery of anybody. He's you know. He doesn't, uh, he sees the woman throwing the food in the street, but he doesn't, he doesn't care. My dog would have came right over to it. I know, I know her. She's motivated by food. Um, but I had this idea and, I, and he, and the guy is like insistent that everything's going to be okay. He said, you know, he, he, he said, hey, she will come home eventually. He's going to get tired of waiting. Uh, tired of, I'm sorry. He's going to get hungry and he's going to get tired and he'll come home. So I make a plan. I say to myself, I can't, I can't just go home and, and, and relax knowing that this dog is just down the street. So I go home. And I get Lola, my dog, who's in the backyard at this time, because it's, uh, you know, I'm if I'm away for the house for for 20 minutes, which is about what it takes me 10 minutes to get my daughter to work, 10 minutes home, uh, I'll put I'll leave Lola on the lead in the backyard. So I I get I get her harness and I put her on the harness and I walk her down the street looking for Heshi and uh, I don't see it. I don't see the dog. I don't see the guy. And it's, it's as if nothing happened. And this is literally like. Probably eight minutes after this, the incident, and it's as if like there's no. You know, I don't. I don't even remember if I saw like the macaroni in the street. <laughs> it's like it was completely cleaned up, like nothing happened. Anyway, uh, I hope Heshi's okay. <laughs> I guess that's how we end that. <laughs> oh my gosh, what else have I got for you? Oh, um, oh, this was fun. Let me play this clip for you because I I have one clip. You know, I always find like a few clips. And then when I when I when I preview them before recording the podcast episode, I was like, "This is garbage. Why, why, why did I think this is entertaining? This is garbage." Okay, but I did find one very good one that I really enjoyed, and I was laughing at this morning, and uh, and I wanted to play it for you because it's both like humorous and thoughtful. Like in a way, it's kind of like you know, it feels like, oh yeah, this person's kind of right about this. And, and what this is, and I'll give you the woman's profile before. I play anything just so I don't forget it. Uh, she is a um, a comedian, and she goes by the name Super Kiara, and her name is I assume it's Kiara. It's spelled K E A R A Sullivan, but you can find her if you're looking for her on TikTok as Super Kiara. So S U P E R K E A R A, and uh, this is a clip that she'd had posted, and I thought this was great, and I want to play it for you now. Just be a moment. What I want to do here is just make sure I get the volume up. Okay. Okay, I'm going to attempt to play this from the beginning here. This is, uh, again, Super Kiara. And what she's talking about, I'll just give you a little... She's talking about the attractiveness of uh, guys in bands. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'll probably have to stop it once to give you a little context, because there is an image associated, but here it is. Go we need to bring back bands where all the members look like absolute losers. I'm so serious. Every band these days is way too hot, and they look way too cool. And it's making music worse. Like, it's a universal truth that a band is musically at their very best when they are objectively at their ugliest. 
Like, this is what your favorite band probably looked like when they made their best album. At this point, she's got a green screen up behind her, as you can do on TikTok. And it's showing all these very early photos of popular uh, bands that are made up of dudes, primarily. And the the guys, it's you can tell it's before they established a look or an aesthetic. And they, they kind of do look dorky <laughs> and uncool. Go ahead, Kiara. Let that sink in. There's some correlation here. We need to... <laughs> so obviously it's comedy, but I, I thought uh, I thought that was really cool and really funny. Uh, yeah. I don't know if it's true, but I think, I think the idea is more or less that uh, these musicians uh, have the most momentum and probably have their best ideas at the beginnings of their career, <laughs> which is... <laughs> You know, before they get money and they can, you know, establish a look and get things fixed that maybe weren't fixed, you know, prior to having money and fame. <laughs> just a hunch. Just a hunch. I thought that was great. Anyway, uh, maybe that's the last time I use TikTok if they ban it, right? We'll see. We'll see. All right. At this point, I'm going to hand things off to our friend, Rachel from Des Moines, and she is going to give you the chart chat. So without any further ado, take it away, Rachel. Thanks, Andy. Hello, and welcome back to Rachel's Chart Chat for another week. This week, I'm trying something a little different. Let's call it Chart Chat Presents. Throughout the weeks, we've stumbled upon some songs in the pop charts that went on to be parodied in advertising. So I thought it might be fun to dedicate a segment to sharing as many of those as I could remember. A few disclaimers. I'm sorry I remember all of these and not your birthdays. There is going to be a bit of an age bias towards the 80s and 90s and towards kid products. Maybe I had an advantage to some of these as I was raised on the oldies music, so I would hear a commercial and know the, the song behind it and be able to remember it. But on the other hand, a very memorable ad, you don't even need to know that it was a song beforehand. I'm open to any editions of song parodies that you want to share. Um, all dates for the ads are approximate, and I want to give a big thanks to all YouTube accounts that upload these old ads for people's enjoyment. I'm just going to go year by year for the songs. In 1946, uh, the King Cole Trio released the first version of Get Your Kicks on Route 66. And in 1996, that was used as an ad for Mountain Dew uh, with Johnny Rotten on the vocals uh, with different cities. Teddy Grahams has used an, two songs from 1957. They had Let Me Be Your Teddy Bear by Elvis and Wake Up Little Susie. And those were used for the Teddy Grahams in 88 and the Teddy Grahams Breakfast Bears cereal in 1990. I don't think that one really stuck around as long, but I think you can still get Teddy Grahams. And I forgot to mention, but Wake Up Little Susie is by the Everly Brothers, who I recently learned were not born in Iowa, but just spent some time here growing up. But we do always claim them as we do any celeb with any connection to our state. In 1928, the Three Penny Opera had a song that became Mac the Knife. The most famous version of that was recorded by Bobby Darin in 1958. And then in 1986, McDonald's made a parody of that song for their Mac Tonight character designed to get people to eat McDonald's for dinner. In 1958, Danny and the Juniors recorded At the Hop. And then in 1987, there was a toy called Smooshies which was a, like a really soft, squishy animal, stuffed animal, small, and you'd just like smush it into like, if it was a dog, it would go into like a plastic dog house. In 1958, Frankie Lane recorded the song Rawhide, and that was used for the TV show theme of Rawhide. 
And then um, obviously it, the Blues Brothers kind of brought it back, I think, to conscious public consciousness in 1980 in their movie. Um, but that's been used in multiple commercials, such as uh, Walmart in 1999, um, Applebee's for their riblets in 2002. And I read that uh, the Canyon Narrow, the SUV from The Simpsons, their ad in universe was also seems to be based on Rawhide. Now, here's one that I didn't know it was a song when I heard the ad as a child. Uh, the Marathons recorded a song called Peanut Butter, and that was used in an ad for ads for Peter Pan brand peanut butter starting in 84, but throughout the 80s. Um, in 1961, Barry Mann recorded Who Put the Bomp in the Bomp, 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 kind of a novelty doo-wop song. And then High C used that in their ad in 1987, uh, touting the new straw for the High C pack. Uh, Dion recorded a song called The Wanderer in uh, 1961, and then that would go on to be used in ads for The Doodle Bear, uh, and the, the day, earliest day I could find on that was 1995, and that was a cloth stuffed animal bear that you, kids could draw on with washable markers. Uh, there's a song called I've Been Everywhere, which has a really long history, more than I ever knew, but it started out as an Australian song listing Australian places, and there's versions for countries all over the world. Uh, the U.S. first version, or North America, I should say, was recorded by Hank Snow in 1962, and Johnny Cash also had a version, and that was has been used in ads for Sitgo with the Johnny Cash version, and then Choice Hotels. Sitgo was 99, and Choice Hotels was 2007, and then I was talking with my friend Jill about this topic, and she was remembering possibly a phone book ad with that used I've been everywhere as well. In 1963, uh, comedian Alan Sherman recorded a song called Hello Mudda, Hello Fada, A Letter from Camp, which was based on classical piece Dance of the Hours. And that was song, that specifically his his lyrics to the, the melody was parodied in a Downey ad, also about a kid at camp in 85, and then a really cute ad for K-9 Advantix in 03. And I say it's cute, but there's they make the dog's mouth move to sing. They don't need that. They could have just had a regular dog running around without the weird mouth. But uh, that one is definitely an earworm. There's a song called Papa Oo Mau Mau by the Rivingtons in 62. And then it was incorporated with their other song, Surfin' Bird, uh, by the Trashmen. And theirs was a little more up-tempo. Um, that was in 63. I think people know that one. It was you know family guy has referenced it and then that was used in a pringles ad in 1986 featuring taj maori the younger brother of tia and tamara maori uh the new beats in 1964 had a song called bread and butter which is another one that's been used in a lot of commercials quaker rice cakes in 86 spam in 1996 and then a, a uk restaurant chain called the little chef in the 80s I guess that's another bias I should mention. I really only remember U.S. commercials. So if you're from areas outside of the U.S. and you want to share some parodies that from your uh, area, that'd be terrific. In 1965, Fontella Bass recorded Rescue Me. And in 1991, that was used as an ad for Pizza Hut. Come on, Pizza Hut, deliver me. And the twist on this one was that Aretha Franklin sang the song in the ad and appeared in the ads. And I think maybe confused people that the original song was done by her as well. Um, in 1968, The Occasions had a song called Girl Watcher, which was then used in 1988 for a Wheel of Fortune ad. And the commenters on the YouTube page said it was performed by Cool and the Gang, which surprised me. And for this one, I want to give credit to actor-comedian Carl Tart for remembering I'm a Wheel Watcher and mentioning it on a podcast. Um, in 1969, Cleveland's Clearwater Revival had a song called Down on the Corner, and that was repurposed in 1988 for the Pocket Rockers Toy which was um, 
little tape, little mini cassette tapes and a little players for them. And I have a little bit of a chip on my shoulder because a lot of people remember the toy hit clips, but this was the precursor to that. They were very popular for a very, very short amount of time. So now we're getting into the 70s. Uh, this is a few we've featured on the show. The Look What They've Done to My Song Ma by Melanie and then the New Seekers. And that was from 1970. And that was used as an oatmeal raisin crisp cereal, as well as some other brands. Life is a Rock But the Radio Rolled Me by Reunion from 1974. This one is less of a direct parody, maybe more of like a style parody. But that was used for the McDonald's $1 million menu song kind of contest promotion. This is a favorite that I like to share with people. In 1974, Billy Crash Craddock, a country singer, had a song called Rub It In, which was about wanting to have suntan lotion rubbed on him on the beach. And then in 1990, when Glade came out with their plug-ins room freshener, they parodied that as plug it in, plug it in. And again, that was one that when I heard that back in the day, I had no idea that came from a real song. Um, You know, you hear Stick It To Him with Stick Ups, you don't imagine that's going to be from a real song, but that turned out Glade plugins was. Uh, in 1995, Taco Bell had a great ad for their Supreme Tacos that was done in the style of a, you know, CD and tape offer, you know, with the scrolling song titles and then playing some of them. And so the songs they parodied included uh, Orleans Dance With Me as Sour Cream, uh, the Knacks My Sharona as My Tomato, and the Village People's Macho Man as Taco Man. And then there you get bonus jokes as the titles of the songs as they scroll by. One of the best things about that one is reading the people in the comments that were saying, like, I couldn't find this for years. I thought I had made it up. I couldn't, you know, couldn't believe it. Getting into the 80s, uh, in 1980, Devo released Whip It, their biggest hit. And then in 2003, Swiffer did a, a parody of that. And the lyric was, use Swiffer instead of you must whip it. And I did a little bit of research and I saw that uh, Devo did re-record the song for the commercial with lyrics by Procter & Gamble. So I learned about that on the Song Facts webpage where it also mentions that the original lyric was going to be, you must swift it. But there was something in the copyright that would have been a big hassle. So they changed it to, you must Swiffer. Uh, from 1982, Linda Ronstadt had Get Closer. This might be one of the shortest turnarounds. Uh, in 1986, it was used as Get Close Up for Close Up Toothpaste. And then I will admit, um, when I was working on this, I did try to go only from my own memory or, you know, just co- talking with real people. But I did uh, accidentally wind up on a listicle of these song parodies. And I thought, like, this is cheating. This is not what I wanted to do. But I found this one, so I really want to include it. Um, In 1991, EMF had their song Unbelievable, which then in 2005, that was used for the Kraft Cheese Crumbles as Crumbelievable. So I can't believe I almost forgot that one. Well, thank you for listening. I will include all of these commercials in their own uh, YouTube playlist. And um, add a playlist for the songs as well, so you can enjoy them. Thanks so much for listening. Back to you, Andy. Right on. The first chart chat presents. How about that? Very, very cool. Uh, and uh, Rachel did some work here, and I want you to check the um, the notes for this episode because I'm including a link to a Spotify playlist that Rachel put together with all the songs she just mentioned. In addition, she put together a YouTube playlist 
with all the commercials. It basically plays the commercials one right after the other. And I've got a link to that also in the uh, description of this uh, episode. So please check those out. They're a lot of fun. I, I was just watching the commercials myself. That was that was so, so cool. Folks, this has been episode 272 of the People Are the Enemy podcast. Our theme song is Walrus Love by Nokia Ocean. You can find that song and more at pizzapuppies.bandcamp.com. My name is Andy Mascola. You can purchase my novels via Amazon and other online book retailers in both paperback and ebook formats for as little as $1.99. Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you, Rachel from Des Moines. We love you. Peace.